right. Well, this week I have as my guest on Living in Ultra Life, one of my favorite Sheridan, Wyoming runners. She is Superwoman. I, I named her that. I don't know if she accepts it or not, but she is an amazing woman. And I cannot wait for all of you to meet Christy Haswell. So let's go for a run with Christy. Christy, are you there? Hey, Mike. That was a very kind intro. Thank you. I always remember that time that you, Jessica, and I did the 50K from Parkman up to yeah. up to Little Horn Canyon and back. Yeah, I, I think you guys all the time when I go past there and, or think about Parkman. Good memories. Yeah, yeah, that was that was a fun memory. So, Christy, tell us a little bit about who you are, what you do, uh, your background, your family, all that kind of good stuff. Yeah. Um, well, currently I am uh, in my third year as county commissioner in Sheridan County, came to politics uh, kind of accidentally. It was just kind of a good time for my family and it felt like the time to make the leap and I've, I've really been enjoying it. I can't believe my term's up next year, but I have three children, 16, 14, 12, all really active kids. So spend most, most of my time chasing them. And then, um, of course, married my, to my husband, Regan, an Englishman, who he has a construction company here in town. And of course, like everywhere, is really busy with that. And I, I grew up in Sheridan, actually, was born in Buffalo, just a half hour down the road. And really, like my first thoughts of running were in AAU, and I must have been 11 or 12 years old. Um, and then my, my dad was my coach, of course, as he was in high school. Um, so he would drive me around. Wyoming to these AAU track meets and then continued that through um, high school and started running cross country. So just, just something I always did. I can't say when I was younger in high school, it was something I really enjoyed. I probably enjoyed basketball a little bit more, but then graduated and played some, some basketball in college um, at a junior college. And then went back to the University of Wyoming where I'd, I'd started my freshman semester to, to go back and play rugby again. And while I was, was training for rugby, doing some intervals in the park, the, the men's track coach was there and asked if I'd ever thought about running track. And so I, I leapt at the opportunity. It was kind of one of those things, right, right time, right place. It was a building year for them. I'm not a, I'm not a super fast runner. Uh, I think I'm a hard worker. Um, but I'm not fast. <laughs> so, but I got some, some books and room and board paid from it. And, and it was a great experience to, to really be that fit was just a cool experience. Gosh. And then, and then um, I guess kind of going, going into ultras, I remember running with, with kind of our older generation of ultra runners here in Sheridan, probably when I was 17 Wow. Um, and, I, and I only remember because I signed up for Leadville and I wasn't old enough. Oh my gosh. Yeah. You signed up for Leadville at 17. Yeah. Yeah. That's wild. Uh, but you had to be 18 uh, to, to be able to do it, I think, at the time. And I hadn't ever run more than 25 miles. And, and honestly, mentally, I don't know if I could have handled it at that age. Probably a good chance for a DNF, but that's that's really kind of how it started. And I moved away from it once I was in college, just because you're busy and doing other things. And I had other sports. And then when I got done and came back to Sheridan, just started connecting with, with folks that ran here and started pacing some folks and just training on weekends and 
was really curious about this hundred mile thing. And gosh, I think it was 2017, 2016 was my first hundred. It was the lean horse, which was a really nice first hundred because it's, I mean, it's like a highway, right? It's crushed limestone. Yeah. It's 10 feet wide trail. And I had been training with a girlfriend and uh, another gentleman. And they said, you know, all, all you got to do is do a 50 and you can do a hundred. And so every weekend I was doing, you know, adding four or five miles onto my long run. And then I thought, gosh, I'm, I'm ready for the leap to the 50 mile. And I, uh, yeah, signed up for lean horse, did the 50 mile in Grand Mesa, which is a, a beautiful course. Probably would do it a little differently. The 50 miler was two weeks before the hundred. Oh my gosh. But at the time, you know, like no, nobody in our group had our, had an ultra running coach. And so it was just, you know, all you had to do was do a 50 and you knew you could do a hundred and, and two weeks was fine by the advice of this group. I'd give myself a little bit more time at this point, but I think I ended up running a, uh, like a 23 hour hundred. So it all, it all worked out. It was, yeah, it was really good. And then, and then I was, I was pretty hooked. It just, um, you know, the races are, they're so fun to go and meet other runners, the camaraderie, the, the culture, it just really, charges my batteries. It's, it's a cool way to see new places, um, going to these races and even being able to get up in the bighorns in the summer. I mean, it's just the purest way to get out in those, those open spaces. As we were talking about earlier, just dealing with old knees and arthritis, trying to transition to a bike a little bit more. There's just places that bike's not going to get you. Yeah. My brother's a big biker and he's always been trying to get me to start doing centuries with him. And I'm like, dude, at the time I was, I was traveling sales and I was like, so where am I going to put the book when I you know, have to fly to Seattle or I have to fly to <laughs> Dallas? Like, you know, I, I, how's yeah. that going to work? You know, I can't exactly go for a training bike run when you're traveling you yeah. know, a national salesperson. He's like, well, you ought to try it sometime. So I did, I was down in Boulder one time and he loaned me one of his bikes and and we went up in the mountains and we're riding and I, and I finally stopped. And I was like, dude, I got to tell you, I said, this is extremely boring. And he's looked at me and he's like, what do you mean it's boring? <laughs> and I said, we're going too fast past everything. I said, I'd rather run. So I, at least I can see it. And yeah. he just looked at me and he said, you're so weird, but you know, yeah. I'm his little brother. So he had to put up with me. That's well, kind of the way I feel about biking is, you know, I mean, it, it's, it's okay. Yeah. And I'm no bike mechanic either. I, I did the dead Swede and didn't have any mechanical issues, but had folks with me that could help if I did. And then signed up for a race outside of Moab um, over Halloween weekend this last year in 2021 and ended up losing, I don't know, five, six of my gears. Like I couldn't oh get them. Gosh. And I got halfway through, it was a 90 miler. And, and I just thought, I don't think I want to suffer through the next 45 miles with half my gears and, you know, just, it would slip. So your pedals would catch and you couldn't get any sort of rhythm and, but I'm not good enough to fix stuff like that. Right. So I don't know. It, it's like anything else. It takes time, but gosh, having to depend on a piece of equipment versus just a pair of running shoes, you can 
exactly. I started running ultras in Wyoming, man. <laughs> so yeah. it's not like here in Hampton Roads, Virginia, where there's a convenience store over there, yeah. right? Most of the places where you run in <laughs> Wyoming, you know, if you need something, it's, you better have packed it because you're not so going to pick true. it up anywhere. So it's so yeah. true. Yeah. I was just watching a documentary on Coca Dona and somebody's bladder had ripped open somehow. And they got it sealed up with some duct tape and something else. But it's like, ooh, I've got tape, but I don't know if I've got duct tape. I, I need to, to get some of that in my pack. Yep. So, so the secret is, so you wind it backwards on a popsicle stick. So, you, okay. so it's not the sticky side down. So the yep. sticky side is you know still kind of up. And then you just put it in a plastic bag. And then it's easy to just use whenever you need it. So how many ultras would you say you've run? You know, I don't think it's more than maybe a dozen. I've, I've only ever done that 100 miler. Right. And then I've got some, you know, 50 Ks and, and 50 milers in there. It's not as much as I would like it to be probably. Um, honestly, I think COVID was the best thing that happened for my training schedule when all the, the kids' soccer season got canceled, oh, I was up wow. in the mountains earlier than I'd ever been. So, you know, I'm, I'm hoping I can do more of it as the kids get older. Um, but yeah, only that 100. I'm, um, you know, was hoping Rocky Raccoon was going to be number two, but no such luck. So you finished Bighorn 50 miler two or three times? Uh, just, just once. Oh, just 2018? Yes. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I thought you had done it before then. I've I'd done the 50k once and then of course the 30k a few times. Right. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Living an Ultra Life is brought to you by Forge Glory Athletics. Forge Glory Athletics is a science-driven, client-proven premier running company that instills strong introspective pillars through disciplines of movement that award personal growth and multiple aspects of the athlete's life without injury. We must find the light within ourselves before others can follow. Christopher Guerra. Cool. So let's jump into the Moab 240. Yeah. How did you decide, okay, I've done one 100. I'm going to go for Moab 240. <laughs> I mean, how do you, how does one make this leap from? Yeah. yeah. You know, you know, in my mind, I consider myself a runner, but I hadn't been running as much as I wanted to. So it was, it was a bit of a kind of a new year's resolution sort of thing, a little, a little before uh, new year's, but it was just a decision to, to run more. And so during that, that winter, I was on the treadmill a lot and just looking for inspirational YouTube videos. And I'd seen the ones on Courtney Dewalter when she did it the inaugural year in 57 hours, which is so cool. And I, I just thought, I want to know what that experience feels like. Can I do it? What's it going to feel like? What's it involve? Like, what's it going to feel like afterwards? You know, all of that. And, and the curiosity was just, was too much. And so I signed up in, in January uh, and then had about 10 months to get ready. But, um, you know, for December, January, February, doing a lot of traveling with my son with hockey. So 
just lots of treadmills and hotels until I could get to springtime. And then of course, you know, COVID hit and, and everything changed. Um, yeah. So lockdown happened, COVID hit. Were you still working for the engineering company at that time too? I, I was working hourly part-time for them. Yeah. And then um, at home with the kids because the kids were then doing remote learning. And then the oil and gas market tanked and I was doing oil and gas permitting work. So I was, I was laid off the first part of May, Okay. Um, which, you know, in hindsight was, was such a blessing. I, you know, two jobs trying to help three kids at home with schoolwork and, and fit in everything else was, was crazy. So, and, and the plan was to just be working part-time in a couple of years, it was just accelerated our plan a little bit, but, okay. but then, yeah, I was just, I was doing the, the part-time commissioner work and getting ready for Moab. So now how did you, cause there's no 200 mile training plan online. I mean, nobody, no. nobody really has one. So how, and I know that you are very meticulous. That's why you're an incredible County commissioner, but so how did you put together your training plan? Um, I, I just found something for a hundred miler, um, knowing from what I could gather, um, you're getting your body physically ready the same way you would for a 200 and you can't do any more miles or you're just tearing your muscles up, right? You're doing damage to your ligaments. It's just such a fine line between, you know, changing it and thinking about doing a back-to-back versus, oh, I need to go do a 50 miler or I need to go do a hundred miler to get ready. Cause you just lose so much fitness trying to recover after those big ones. Anyway, it, it worked out really well. And honestly, um, I had, I had really hoped to do the Bighorn hundred, but it was canceled and we had some family stuff come up. So I, I didn't do it virtually. Okay. So you I, weren't I part of the crew that took off and just no, did it anyway. I, I, I did about 25 miles with them. Awesome. Um, yeah. So, so we went to, to Stanhope uh, in Idaho and, and 38 miles was the longest run I did in preparation for Moab. Wow. Okay. But Which, you, when you did your back to back, so like, were you doing like 20 miler back to backs or how was that? Like a, uh, 30 and a 10 or a 20 and a 10, Okay. Um, you know, maybe a, a 20 and a 15. Um, so, and I, I don't think I had very many weeks. I had more than probably 55, 60 miles would be a big week for me. Okay. Um, so, you know, I was really nervous probably, um, I guess July, probably July after uh, Bighorn didn't happen. And I was really questioning whether I was ready. Um, and then the more, the more research I was doing and, and particularly following David Roach, um, there was just really good, I don't know if you'd say research, but, but real life examples of folks that keep their training at a really healthy load and, and are still doing, doing great you know, now they're doing great things because they're incredible athletes. I just wanted to finish Moab, but, 
um, it, it made me feel much better mentally going in. And then at that point I knew I just needed to be healthy and hydrated and taking as many naps as I could take that last two weeks leading up to it, just trying to put some sleep in the bank. And I think on top of it, um, you know, I had three pacers, we had two drivers and then I had family and friends that were going to be in Moab, maybe that were going to be there at the finish to cheer for me. They came to the first aid station and then subsequently were at every aid station after that. Oh my gosh. Had more friends show up, maybe, gosh, I think it was like mile 120 for, for additional friends. So by the time I got to the finish, I had, I don't, 15 people in the group. Wow. That's amazing. You know, all with cowbells. And I mean, they were going to drag me across that finish line, but I just think it would have been such a different experience, not having any crew or pacers or just having crew. I mean, spending that time out there alone. um, I just, I never, you know, I, I, I didn't get down until probably mile 200. And then I think the exhaustion just, just got to me. I, I slept for about an hour and, and woke up and, um, sobbed for about 30 seconds. Yeah. Oh my God. I have 40 more miles. <laughs> my, my feet don't want to go in the shoes. Like there's blood and pus coming out between my toes. Um, and, but that was it. And I think it's because you know, I just had company starting at 70 miles. I knew I had family and friends waiting for me. I had a warm place to sleep. You know, I would just jump in the back of the suburban. I, I just think all of those things make such a, such a difference. Um, it, it was almost like a NASCAR pit stop at times. It cracked me up. Like after the first aid station where, where they could see me by the time I got to the next one, they had it all figured out. One person was assigned my water bladders and and bottles to fill. One person was assigned to get me some food. Um, somebody was in charge of my electronics. So getting headphones swapped out, things charged. If I had time, um, my girlfriend, Jessica, she was our costumes director. So she was in charge of dry clothes, dry shirt, socks at every aid station. So it, it just made it such an incredible experience. I mean, the stars just aligned, Mike. I, ca- yeah. I can't even describe it. I, I just had such an overwhelming sense of gratitude that whole run. I, my heart couldn't have gotten any bigger. Yeah. It was so cool. That's awesome. And you had some pretty amazing pacers. Do you want to tell who your pacers were? And Yes. Yeah. So um, Carrie McMeans. Um, friend of mine here that I, that was one of the folks that I started training with, with early on. Um, she's just a, a hard ass and a, and a great runner. Um, Steve Lineman, who, um, I only met maybe a couple of years ago. We did hood to coast together, super solid guy, happy to volunteer for anything, even donated his RV to the cause to drive down. Um, my brother-in-law, Will Reedy, who's always, always up for a challenge. And then, um, Chris Hayden, a, a, another gentleman, um, who is from Sheridan as well as, as Steve, but met a couple of years ago when we did that hood to coast. And, um, he is just an energizer rabbit. I mean, he just goes and goes and goes and can talk about anything, anytime I gave him 
a hell of a leg between Dry Valley and Road 46, which was about a marathon, the, the longest leg, and just a moonscape kind of, I mean, we got some rain, we had horrible oh winds, but I was like, Chris, I need Chris on that leg. I just need somebody who's going to not stop talking the whole time. That's uh, Chris. It was, it was, it was great. It was great. That's awesome. So now you had, you, did you do trail maps or how did you do your naps? How, cause you actually had it kind of mapped out when you wanted to nap and we're pretty yeah. regimented about when you took the naps and how you wanted to nap. Yeah. I, um, somebody in the Facebook group, the Moab Facebook group online had put together an Excel spreadsheet. And so I could put in kind of what I thought conservatively I could do between each age station and then really had to think, cause I mean, it's just so hard to train to sleep. Yeah. Unless you're actually doing 200 miles, like how do you even know? Because um, you don't you don't typically sleep for a hundred miler. So, and I just didn't know is 90 minutes going to feel better? Is 20 minutes going to be okay? So I knew it was going to be a bit of an experiment. But I kept getting into each aid station early, and I knew at my first one at at 70 miles at Indian Creek when I could pick up a pacer when I picked up Carrie, I came in early. Uh, and I can't remember if it was a half hour, hour early. So I was just going to sleep for an hour and ended up sleeping for two hours. Okay. And that was probably my biggest nap the whole time. But I think it just, it was a good first one to kind of restore my body and my mind. And then after that, it was a, it was a series of probably a bunch of 30 minute naps. And I, I think another hour nap in there. Okay. Um, and so it was about seven and a half hours total over the three and a half days. Okay. I think, I think I could have trimmed some off. I don't know. So I, I just signed up for Cocodona. Oh, did you? Okay. I did. I did. This year at Cocodona? Yeah. In May. In oh, five awesome. Months. Okay. A oh good friend God. of mine, Chris Guerra, I'll put you in contact with him. He'll also yeah. be there. He's from here. Okay. He's actually now my coach. So he does Forge Glory Athletics. Um, oh, and gosh. he is my coach. And so I'm relying on him a lot and he's doing Cocodona this year also. Okay. Well, Mike, you're the first person I've told because awesome. I, know how, I know how foolish this is like, oh my God, five months, but I just, just watching the videos on it and reading about it. I was just getting so excited anyway. So I've really been thinking about, um, time in aid stations and sleeping. And, you know, I think that that one early on before a hundred miles helped me or no later than a hundred miles, but I'd, I'd like to keep it under six hours this time. Okay. Um, and I really need to, to trim up my time in aid stations. One so you the know other, what you need to do better. Yes. Yes. But, but let's um, just talk about the, the last 20 miles of Moab 240. Yeah. So um, when did you know that you could possibly podium? Um, when I woke up at Porcupine Rim, which was 40 miles left, I had come in with another woman and had passed a woman um, on that last segment. So I knew they were close and I didn't know how long folks were going to sleep. And I, I thought there were 
three women in front of me. So when I woke up, um, I thought I was sitting fourth. Okay. I was actually sitting fifth because somebody, one of the runners had gone through that aid station at night and not stopped to sleep or, you know, slept for 15 minutes. Um, and I didn't realize that until we caught her. So then I thought, well, gosh, did anybody else pass? Um, cause the tracking, there's a bit of a delay in the tracking. So, you know, it's could be give or take 20, 30 minutes. So not super accurate at that point in the race. And, and I was just really excited just knowing that I was going to finish, but then it's like, oh my gosh, if this is going to come down to a foot race in the last 800 meters, I'm going to be so upset. Like I had three and a half days to get this done and I'm waiting till the end. Um, so I got into, um, uh, porcupine rim, excuse me, uh, geysers at 200, got into porcupine rim at two, at 225 miles in and knew that, um, Denise was either there or had just left the third place woman. Okay. Um, some of my crew thought she'd left. Others had seen her get in her car to rest or her RV, but hadn't seen her come back out again. And at that point it was, it didn't matter. I just needed to go and go hard either if I was going to catch her or if she was going to be right on my tail. And so we, we maybe got out four miles and, or yeah, about four miles. And, and she had just come out of her vehicle and Carrie got the phone call that she was behind us. So at that point I knew, um, that I just had two in front of me, which was mind blowing because, you know, my goal was 90 hours. I did it in, um, just under 84, taking more sleep than I'd planned, but running so conservatively, I, I've, I'm so proud that I didn't get caught up and felt too far behind and tried to push it. You know, I think I would have hit a wall right, or multiple walls, but I think, I think for Cocodona that, and there's some really fast women in Cocodona. Oh, so yeah. I'm, I'm not going to be on the podium there, but where's that line between being conservative in terms of being smart, but, but pushing it and competing it for it a little bit. You know, I don't, I haven't nailed that line in yet, Mike. I don't there know. You go. There you go. So, You're going to find yeah. it. That's yeah. awesome. So that there's something to shoot for. Find that line. Yeah. Tiptoe on it. Yeah. It'll be fun. Yeah. So, and the nice thing about doing it this year, I guess they've cut out a, a, about five miles of, um, just either some, some bad, really rocky technical stuff oh, okay. or moving aid stations because of wind and having to tweak trails because of that. So it's 250 instead of 255 and they've taken some of the bad stuff out. <laughs> okay. Well, good. There you go. See, it'll be, it'll be even more fun. And I mean, yeah. wind, I mean, you've got that covered. Oh my gosh. I know. I know. <laughs> that um, is awesome. So you finished third at, at Moab yes. 240. So kind of yes. tell us you crossed the line. You, what was that like? I mean, me being a, you know, back of the pack runner who will probably never see a podium in his <laughs> entire life. Tell us what that was like. I mean, what was it like to stand on the podium at um, a 240 mile race? Well, this is the bummer because of COVID they didn't have a finisher's podium. Okay. Um, I did get my trophy. Um, but it was just, it was really so overwhelming 
the the love I had for my crew and my pacers, the gratitude. I mean, they all took almost a week off from their families, a week of vacation time they could have used somewhere else to come support me. I mean, I don't know how you say thank you for that, you know? Um, Ask them to do it again. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Um, I don't know if I'd have the heart. I I think (laughs) the crewing, everybody was in rough shape by the end of Moab. The crewing's as hard, I think, as the running. Yeah. I crewed my Um, buddy at Grindstone this year. And I mean, the two days after I was, I was a mess. I mean, I was like, crewing is really tough because you have to send the runner back out there and you know, they're just suffering. And, and that was one of the things that I really wanted to kind of get into my resume was, you know, being the crew chief who's responsible for, you know, okay, you're doing this water, you're doing this. He's going to come in at this aid station. We got to get this into him. We got to get this into his pack. We got to get this and all that kind of stuff. I wanted to get that behind me so that I would know how to get my crew to know what to do for my hundred. And then of course my 200 adventure. So yeah, yeah. Yeah. it is tough. It is tough stuff. It, and you, and you don't know, you can't really sleep well, you, cause you don't know when your runner's coming in, you want to, you don't want to miss them. And yeah, all, all of that stuff, but no, it, it, I was just, it was such a cool experience. I mean, I I think I've said grateful 25 times now, but I don't even know how else to describe it. But I mean, I just gratefulness coming streaming out my eyes. <laughs> yeah, that is awesome. out of every pore in my body. It's um, and then it was just so nice to be able to just relax with everybody. It was about six thirty in the evening, and we just were able to go back and have dinner and relax. So, so that was really nice timing. No, it was it was good. Good, good. Well, Cocodano is going to be awesome, also, and can't wait to follow you there. So in, in fact, you. that one's going to be even more fun following it. Well, yeah. and I, I should add, Mike, too, that um, we were able to raise 31000 for the hub. Yes. Um, that was that's definitely a, that's part of the That's an amazing number right there. That's, that's yeah. a huge number. And I mean, it was, so tell why, why did you choose the hub as the place to raise money for? The hub does an amazing job and has, has great programs for, for all ages, actually. Um, but my, my grandpa passed from Alzheimer's, you know, and knowing that it could be a part of my life when I'm, when I'm older. Um, and then just knowing about, you know, seniors in their homes during COVID, not being able to get the resources they needed, being in isolation, which is, which is so not healthy for you um, at any age, but especially that age. And if you're dealing with any dementia, they're just, their support in our community is really near and dear to my heart. And I, I knew I wanted to, to support a local nonprofit. So yeah. Good choice. Yeah. They do amazing work. So, so let's kind of end this up. So County Commissioner, your term's up uh, 2022, right? Yeah. We're yep, going we, we to run again? I'm, I'm going to run again. Awesome. I'm really enjoying Good. it. Yeah. I'm glad to hear that. I'm really glad to hear that. Yeah. Tell we, us a little bit about, I mean, we're, we're going to end this up real quick, but just tell us, I mean, what are some of the challenges you face as a county commissioner in a pretty small area, population of Sheridan County now, what is like 25,000, 28,000? Yeah, it's about, it's like the whole county is about 30,000. Okay. Um, I, I think right now for us, 
like a lot of places is the growth. We had a lot of folks move into the community during COVID and I don't blame them at all. Wyoming is a great place to be in a pandemic when you need some elbow room. So there's a lot of that. Along with that is affordable housing. Um, we just finished up a housing study. We'll see if we can some, do some good work with any of our ARPA funds um, in terms of, of supporting some affordable housing options in the community. We're early in that work, so I don't know what that looks like yet, but that's one of our, our big challenges. But, you know, Sheridan's a great, great place to be. Problems like everywhere else, but, you know, we're not, we're not fighting a lot of crime and, and those sort of issues. So I don't know if they're good problems to have, but we're in a good position, I would say. And, and Mike, as you know, just a super engaged community um, and, and help you to roll up their sleeves and help. So, um, yeah. Good. yeah, I've enjoyed it. Good. Yeah. All right. Well, let's end this. I want you to pretend that you are talking to somebody who is dreaming about running their first ultra marathon. What would you tell them as just kind of a Christie tip for a first time ultra runner? I would say it's so important to do the little things in your training. Don't miss those easy three to five mile runs because every workout is such a critical building block to get to where you want to be. I, it, you know, it sounds kind of trivial, but you'll just blow your own mind with what you can do with the little things every day. And, and I think having that discipline will help you when you're out on the course, have, have the staying power to get to the finish line. So that, that, that would probably be my, my first piece of Perfect. advice. Perfect. Well, Christy, thank you so much for going for a run with us on Living in Ultra Life. <laughs> it has been an absolute pleasure doing this. Um, oh, I really enjoyed it, Mike. So good to catch up. Thanks for listening. Really appreciate you guys. We'll see you next time on Living in Ultra Life. <laughs>